You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. So, uh, well, I'm Wes, and I'm fairly new to the Advent as well. I've only been at the Advent now a little over a year as one of the clergy. Came in the midst of the COVID craziness, and so really um, that's not a great time to start at a new church. Uh, you've got to learn people's names through a mask and not seeing them, uh, which is very challenging. And so getting, getting uh, I think, coming out of the COVID season, really getting to know folks a little bit more. And, uh, of course, I do now. I'm, I'm currently doing the music at 9 and the 5 and uh, also do some disciple-making and uh, investing in some folks here in the city and one really would love to see the city of Birmingham transformed uh, for the sake of Christ. And so uh, really putting a lot of effort into investing in some businessmen and various things of that sort to see some of that start to take place in the business world. And so uh, a lot of lot of interesting things ministry-wise that I get to do. Um, you know, I wasn't going for the interesting thing, you know, the, the thing that nobody, I don't really have one that nobody knows about me, I don't think. Um, I, uh, I sat down with Shaquille O'Neal in the airport of Orlando for about 45 minutes on the way to a, an airport and had my guitar with me and had a great conversation with Shaquille and his girlfriend, got to share about Jesus to him. Uh, which was pretty cool, and most people don't know that. So, uh, um, uh, and he was very interested, and really was fascinated that we were going to Honduras on a mission trip. And so, uh, uh, he and his girlfriend sat first class while we were all back in coach, just hanging out. Uh, and uh, but it was a great. It was it was really cool to get to. And man, is he tall? Uh, crazy. Um, that I, I knew he was tall, but then he stood up, and I was like, holy moly. Um, so anyway. Maybe that's my one fascinating thing. Um, so, uh, well, today I want to talk about prayer and uh, what, what does it look like to pray? Uh, and, and we're going to use a couple of proof texts for prayer today and then, and then hopefully get a little time to practice prayer a little bit. So I'm not going to open us with prayer. I'm going to close us with prayer if that's okay. And so um, I want to talk just kind of my early view of prayer. And I don't know what you, where you are and what your prayer life looks like right now, but uh, for me, uh, my early earliest view of prayer when I became a Christian, and I, I grew up in the Baptist church, and so I became a Christian, became a believer, was baptized around seven or eight. I don't remember the exact time. Of course, being baptized, uh, I didn't know exactly what was going on, all of what was happening. I knew it was the right thing to do, what I needed to do. And then uh, I was uh, kind of, I learned the faith. I was being sanctified in that process of what it looked like to grow in faith. My parents were uh, strong Christians, and so I was in church from the time that I was uh, about a week old, I think. Uh, I was in church, and so, um, and then I was discipled when I was in college, and really, uh, while I knew Jesus, um, I, I was really challenged at that point, what it looked like to walk in relationship to Jesus, and I was also challenged in my prayer life at that point. Um, the guy that was discipling us, he was a Campus Crusade guy, and he said, hey, have you guys ever fasted and prayed? And he was talking to a bunch of college guys. And there were about six of us in the room. And we said, you mean don't eat? Uh, and he's like, yeah, like fast, pray. Um, and none of us in the room had really even considered that. Um, you know, as college boys, we ate everything in front of us and ate at all hours of the night. And so uh, he challenged us and said, you know, I'm not looking for you to do a 40-day or anything like that, but I'd encourage you to begin to fast and pray. 
And um, I want to challenge you to pray for one hour a day for the next month. And uh, we all kind of left going, holy moly, what in the world? Um, Because up until that point, my view of prayer was uh, I kind of viewed Jesus like a pinata. If I needed something, I'd pray. You know, I'd whack that pinata, and when something would happen, I'd be like, woo, praise Jesus, all good. And then I'll come back and see you next time I need something. Uh, and so it was always this kind of, you help me, uh, and, and I'll help you kind of thing in, in my relationship with prayer of Jesus. And so uh, I believed truly as I was a kid, Lord, if I pray hard enough, uh, I can get that Lamborghini that I've always wanted. Uh, I never drove a Lamborghini, never got a Lamborghini, and I kept wondering, what am I praying wrong? And I had taken this verse out of context that this one of our text verses today in John 14. It says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. And I said, Lord, I'm asking you when I turn 16 that you would drop a Lamborghini out of the sky, and that would be my car. You know, I was all about cars at the time. And uh, it, it never happened, and I thought... Well, this pinata relationship isn't working very well because I feel like I'm hitting pinata pretty hard and nothing's dropping out. So what am I missing? And so I tie that in with when I got to college, you know, my prayer life was very shallow. It was very, uh, Lord, what can you do for me? And, um, and I didn't really understand it. And he challenged us to pray for an hour and I was like, I don't have it. I don't have an hour's worth of things to ask for, you know, um, what am I supposed to do for an hour? And, um, and it, my, my prayer life then began to mold and shape. And, and a lot of that, I began to just, um, in that hour, I just be, I remember sitting and just going, I don't know what I'm doing, God. I don't know what I'm supposed to ask for. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about. I don't even know how to pray, really. I mean, I, I, I know the words to say. I know the things that I've heard. I could stand up as a, as a good Baptist kid and, and pray before a meal. No problem. Piece of cake. Um, but what does it look like to have an intimate prayer life with you, Jesus? I don't know. And so my view in, even in that month of just really surrendering, saying, okay, let me, let me spend some time praying and understanding what does it look like to pray. My conversation with the Lord, uh, began to transform into, I'm talking to my heavenly father. Uh, and, and Jesus began to reorient the way that I thought and the way that I desired things, um, you know, from a worldly perspective, it was, what is it that you're asking for that would then glorify me? So put that verse back into context of John chapter 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so, Lord, am I asking for the right things that you might be glorified when I ask them? And so in that, again, that month of being challenged to pray, I began to ask the question, what should I be praying for? What does it look like for me to pray now that I might say in, that you would be glorified in what I'm asking, Lord? Um, and that then, if you're to be glorified, then I'm thinking differently. Now I can ask whatever I, I ask for in your name, you'll do it because I'm I'm reoriented to understand what your heart is and my heart is in you. And so um, my conversations looked like a, a, a conversation with the Heavenly Father. It looked like this humility of, I don't know what I'm doing. Instead of the pinata approach, it was more of uh, this desire of my heart and the desire of God's heart in me. And then that often meant that my, uh, my prayers, like I said before, involved me asking the questions, what do I need to hear from you? 
And how do I need to repent of and be molded into your likeness? And so that leads us to this next passage that I want to look at today. So if you have your Bible in front of you, we're going to turn to John chapter 11. And that is on page in those Bibles, uh, 768. Um, Actually, you're going to flip, you're going to start on 767 because we're going to start in verse 1. Oh, I'm sorry. I told you, John, it's Luke. My bad. John was John 14. So let's go backwards. My apologies. Not reading my notes right. Uh, 742. John, uh, Luke chapter 11. 742 in those Bibles. And would somebody be willing to read uh, the first 13 verses there of Luke chapter 11? Once you find it. Okay, thank you, Mary. Uh, 1 through 11? Yes, ma'am. And Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you has a friend who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Okay. Um. So we've got a little bit of a, a take on the Lord's Prayer, our common understanding of the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's spoken of again in Matthew, which is really more of what we pray on a Sunday morning. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But, but Jesus is, Luke is recounting a little bit of what Jesus has said here. And his take on it's a little bit different. It's a little shorter version. Uh, but the, it's interesting that the disciples come to Jesus because they don't know how to pray. Uh, now these are, these are men who have been... Um, they've been raised up in the Jewish faith. Uh, they are they know the Lord. Um, they know the traditions of the church. They now they might they're fishermen and and I, as you can see in the disciples they don't have it all together and they're going to mess up a lot and they're going to ask some crazy questions like the one that we just heard in the sermon today of uh, let let one of us sit on your right and your left. Oh, you, know, you don't even know what you're asking for here. That, that was the disciples' mo. But I find it interesting that. In this context of prayer, they come to Jesus and they say, teach us how to pray because we've heard that John's disciples, your cousin over here has taught people how to pray. We want to know how to pray too. There must be a formula. And so Jesus gives them uh, this model of prayer. Now in this, I don't think Jesus is actually saying, when you pray, you have to pray it these exact words every time you pray. I think it's important to recite the Lord's Prayer to remind us, 
But at the same time, we have to also look at what is the structure of Jesus's prayer when he's encouraging the disciples to pray. One, he starts out by saying, all right, if you're going to pray, you acknowledge that God is holy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. You're acknowledging and praising him for who he is. He's holy. And so you set at the very beginning of prayer uh, an acknowledgement and an understanding of who we're praying to, that God is greater than us, that this is not just uh, me talking to a friend, although I can very relationally talk to the Lord, but it's also understanding how great and how holy he is. And then as you understand his holiness, then, then he goes in, and this is in all of the recounts of the Lord's Prayer, the kingdom perspective. Your kingdom come. Now in the Matthew version, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the one we quote on Sunday mornings, right? And so your kingdom come. Jesus is saying uh, of the Father in heaven, it is important for us to understand that kingdom, the kingdom of God, is what we're here and what we're all about. This is why we've come. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, he's reiterating to them, the desire of God is to see the heavenly kingdom and the earthly kingdom becoming one. Now we know that to be the case because when we get to Revelation chapter 21, at the end of the the times, what happens? The new earth and the new heavens become the old, that they, they mold with the old. And they become new. All things become new. Revelation 21, 1 through 3, if you want to look at that sometime, you see this kingdom coming to earth as it is in heaven. So what does that mean for us as we pray when we ask those things? First, we're acknowledging that God is holy and that he's worthy of our praise and thanks. And then we ask for this kingdom perspective. God, would you help me to see, and and I love to use this phrase, will you help me to see where the kingdom is not? Because you want the kingdom of heaven to be on the kingdom of earth? Are there places, not only in my own life, as I'm praying, God, that you can reveal to me where I have not let your kingdom perspective truly percolate through my heart and my life? But also, are there places in my neighborhood, in my workplace, in my city, where the kingdom of God is not? Um, when we begin to change the perspective of the way that we think, and that's what Jesus is doing with his disciples here. He's saying, you got to start thinking differently. You've got to understand that we are here because we've been called to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And so start looking where the kingdom is not. And you would see that in Jesus's ministry as he would go into these towns and he would, you know, one of my favorite stories is the Samaritan woman in John chapter four, where he goes in and he begins to talk to this woman and he begins to speak to her about kingdom ministry. And he understands and he knows, and he was very direct in his disciples to say, we have to go through Samaria. Now, they would have known we're going to get around Samaria, Jesus, because that's not a great place for us to go hang out. They don't like the Jewish people there, so it's not good for us. And Jesus said, nope, got to go there. Why? Because that's where the kingdom was not. And so he's teaching his disciples, you begin to pray that the Lord would open our eyes to understand where the kingdom is not so that we can have a kingdom perspective about everything in our life. And then give us each day our daily bread. Provide the things that we need. Now, this would have been really practical to them because, you know, they they didn't go to the grocery store oftentimes and buy uh, a week's worth of groceries or two weeks worth of groceries. They bought day to day. You know, they'd go to the market because otherwise things would spoil. They didn't have any way of preserving them. And so they would they would go to the market and Lord provide them the resources that we need today so that we can eat today. 
and be sustained today. I think it's important for us as we pray to also remember that perspective that Lord provide for us the needs that we have today and then tie it back in with that ver- the, the thing that he just said so that when we do that, we are now becoming kingdom ministers because of who, how holy you are. See, he's tying all those things together. Then he gets here. Not only do we want our bread to be provided for us, but then there's this, uh, this prayer of forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. In the Matthew version, you know what it says, right? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's a, that's a contingent prayer there of uh, one that I don't like to pray because, uh, you know, admittedly, we in our humanness, we're not great at forgiving people sometimes. And we're saying, Lord, I need you to forgive me the same way I forgive the person who just hurt me and I'm really holding a grudge against. Uh, I'd rather that say, Lord, forgive me way better than I'm willing to forgive anybody else. And in this one, Luke says here, forgive us our sins. And he's assuming for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So there's an assumption here that as we pray, God, forgive us that we've forgiven others. That we've already come to the place where we're saying, I need your forgiveness in the same way I've forgiven. So it's very similar in, in the recount of that prayer. And then finally, he, and again, this is the very short version of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. If I ask you what that meant in our prayer, what would you say? That's probably one of the most confusing parts of the Lord's Prayer for most people. Lead us, why would Jesus, why would God lead us into temptation? What is he trying to say there? He's asking us not to be led into temptation, but that's with the assumption that he could lead us into temptation, right? So what what do you think, what is what is Jesus trying to get across there? Jacob, what do you think? Um, this uh, may be a little bit of a hot take, as one might say, but uh, could we perhaps relate that to Romans 1 in some way, as in, Paul says that while God does not cause our sins, God is, uh, uh, God is, you know, may in his justice give us up uh, to our sins. Mm-hmm. So is it that we are pleading with God to do the opposite and move yeah. us away from it? Yeah, I think it uh, really, and I think you're spot on. You're, you're right on in that, that we're, when, when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, he's saying, you're pleading with God, um, Give me the strength to veer from my temptations, to be a, to not go down the. Because let's be honest, every one of us in this room wake up in the morning. And there's some sort of temptation that's out there, and and we all have our own temptation. Whatever that temptation might look like, whether it's food, whether it's uh, lust, whether it's greed, whether whatever it might be, you know, we all have those temptations. And so there, he's saying, ask the God who is holy. Please give me the strength to not go down the path of temptation so that I can remain holy, so that I can be who you're calling me to be and what you're calling me to be. Make sense? And so he set this whole idea then of what it looks like to pray in front of the disciples. And then he goes into this fascinating uh, parable about a father. And I, I remind my kids this all the time because I, I love this passage. And, you know, the, if you if you have kids, you know, 
they always use these never and always words. Drive me crazy. Uh, you know, we'll sit in it. You never let us do that. I'm like, that is not true. I let you do it yesterday. Um, uh, and, or you always say that. I don't, I don't always say that. Sometimes I say yes, but right now I'm saying no. You know, and so you get those things. And, and one of the things that always tends to happen, I'll use that word, always tends to happen when we start doing this, is that my kids will say, uh, one of them will say, why not? Do you not love me? I got one. I got that, that. We try to nip that in the bud, but every now and then that word will come out. Uh, you, you, if you love me, you'd let me do that, Dad. I'm like, I actually love you, and I'm not going to let you do that. Um, because I'm looking, and I, again, if I'm a good father, then I'm not saying I'm not going to give you the things that you need. I'm not going to give you the food that you need, the bread that you need. What father, when a kid asks, when their child asks for a fish, would give him um, a, a snake instead? And so... Uh, I, I had this conversation with my boys all the time of, listen, I care, we care deeply about you, but we see the bigger picture that sometimes you can't quite see. And so when you think I'm mean and I'm not giving you what you want, it's because I can see what you would do with that if I were to give it to you. Um, and so I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to give you the serpent when you want to fish. I actually want to protect you and bless you with the things that I think are best for you. Now, you try to tell that to a 13-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 5-year-old, they're going, whatever. You, I don't, you don't even know what you're talking about, Dad. Um, now, my 13-year-old, uh, has it, this, there's this, you know, the beautiful age of maturity begins to happen, and he's like, huh, I guess that does make a little more sense now, huh? I'm like, oh, it's crazy. It's as though Dad lived that life when, you know, it's like I've been 13 before. Um, and uh, he laughs and says, all right, well, maybe you're right. And uh, so, you know, we're getting there. We're, we're seeing some of those things happen. Doesn't happen always. Uh, but, I, but I love this story that Jesus says is, listen, when, when you're pleading to the Father, when you're, when you're crying out to the Father in prayer, trust that if we're in alignment, if we're doing the things that I've just said, uh, acknowledging holiness, looking at kingdom perspective, Lord, provide for our daily bread, uh, forgive us and allow us to forgive others, give us the heart to forgive others, lead us not into temptation. And then we begin to take our supplications before the Lord, our requests before the Lord. Then he said, what father in heaven wouldn't give you those requests? Um, and, and again, it's not those outlandish ones, God, let me win the lottery kind of thing. It's the Lord... I'm thinking in kingdom perspective. Now my heart is aligned to yours. My prayer might then look, as opposed to let me win the lottery, open the door for me to share the gospel with somebody on the street today. Now what father in heaven wouldn't go, all right, let's make that happen. You know, and does it happen all the time? But sure, there's conversations that begin to happen because our, our perspective changes. And now we're thinking kingdom mindedness. And so, uh, and so our prayers, uh, Jesus is very much teaching uh, us to pray. So a couple things about prayer. How much time do I have? A um, couple things about prayer that I often get questions on. What happens when I get to a place where I don't know how to pray for someone or something? Um, now, Jesus didn't address this in this passage today. Uh, however, he says uh, later on, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray. This is actually Paul in Romans, uh, what we pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. 
And so my question, my my answer to when people say, "Well, I don't know how to pray or what to pray," or "I'm, I'm sitting," and I, I had that, you know, that whole challenge for a month of praying for an hour a day. I was going, "I don't know what to pray, Jesus," and, but I got to a point where my heart was groaning and saying, "But teach me what to pray. Teach me how to pray. Keep keep me engaged, God." Because if you're like me, man, I could be sitting in a room with white walls and nothing in it. And I would somehow find a paint chip in the wall and get distracted when I'm trying to pray. Well, look, they didn't patch that spot right there. They really should have done that, you know. And, and I'm off, off to the races at that point. Who knows where my mind's going. And so um, I, I, would, I would literally have to engage. And, and even now in my prayers when I get distracted, engage with the Lord and say, I don't know how to pray for this. I don't know how to pray for this person. I don't know how to pray for this situation. I need the Spirit to, to groan on my behalf and then to listen and to trust that He's doing that uh, because He sees my heart and He hears my heart. Um, and then the second question, and then I'll leave you with something to, to take away. What are God's answers to prayers? That's the other question that I often get. What, what, how does God answer prayers? I think I, I read it best when... And, and this may be common sense to some of you, but it, sometimes God has to hit me on the head a few times for me to get it. Um, but someone wrote uh, a book where they talked about the, the answers of God in prayer, and the three answers were yes, no, and wait. I think that's better than yes, no, and maybe. Um, yes, no, and wait. And the wait is really the hard one. We love the yes. We don't necessarily like the no, but at least we have clarity, right, when God says no. But, but the waiting, when God's saying, hold on a minute, let me, and there it goes back to that, that, what Jesus said, let me transform your heart in the waiting so that you see and maybe the prayer begins to change to align to his. And so that waiting, the waiting in, is, is hard, but it's in those moments that I think the Lord is drawing us closer to himself in prayer to say, I want you to seek my heart in this. Seek what it is that I want you to do in this. And so I want to give you something uh, today to kind of take away. Uh, and then if you have any questions, I think we might have just a few minutes. Um, some of you may have seen this before. Uh, I want to give you this. as a This is called the prayer cycle. If you've never seen the prayer cycle before, it's a fascinating tool. And again, I, I use the word tool because I think it's a great tool. It's not the only way to pray, but I have found in my, uh, my little distracted mind uh, that when I have something in front of me, that's kind of guiding me, it gets me back on track when I start to lose focus. And so the way this prayer cycle works, and it's pretty self-explanatory, you can read about it, and it even guides you through, but there's a, there's a wheel here, and there's 12 things on this wheel, and you pray for five minutes in each one. And so you've got 60 minutes of prayer. And uh, again, when I get distracted, if I'm in the praise, and you see right there where it says start, if I start with praise for five minutes and I get four minutes in and I lose track, but I've got a timer that says, hey, let's move on to the next one, it kind of hits the reset button for me to say, oh, oh gosh, I got off track again. You know, I was looking at that paint chip and now I need to be getting into this part. And so uh, it's, it's a tool to begin to shape our prayer life in such a way that we're spending time in the Lord. Now, you may say, gosh, 60 minutes, that's crazy. I don't, I've never prayed for 60 minutes at one time in my life. And that's okay. You can break it up, maybe start with two minutes per time uh, and add three minutes per time. Um, uh, most of you know Matt Snyder. Some of you may not know him. He was here before. Uh, been gone now for about a year. And 
uh, Matt and I talk quite often, and Matt uses this. And, and the other day he told me uh, I was actually able to pray for three hours using this prayer cycle. He, and, and he would say, I couldn't do that to start with. But it's built up over time that I got to a place where I'm like, gosh, that's not enough praise. I need to praise some more. I need to keep praising. That's not enough listening. I need to listen some more. And I think that's what begins to happen as we begin to pray is that the Lord draws our heart to Him and we say, ooh, this is not enough. I'm going to have to carve out a little bit more time to pray with the Lord. I'm going to have to carve out a little bit more time, a little bit more time. Now, you may not get to a place where you're praying three hours a day, but I would say if you can get to a place where you're praying 30 minutes to an hour, uh, you know, wake up in the morning before you go to bed, whatever it might be, lunchtime. Um, I just encourage you to use this as a tool. Maybe you don't use it every day, but it begins. Uh, I use this particular cycle about once a week because I like it that it, it kind of allows me to hit the reset button uh, and, and kind of guides me through these things. And I literally will set a five-minute timer on my phone. And in five minutes, I move to the next thing and move to the next thing until I've done 60 minutes worth of prayer. So um, let that be a tool for you. Any thoughts or questions for me? Sorry, I had to kind of rush through everything. Um, yes, Jacob. Uh, I'll go with this simple question. So prayer is obviously not about, you know, praying for big things like uh, winning the lottery. Right. Uh, that's the big picture. But isn't that also okay? Sure. Yeah, I think if you believe... Now, now the question comes is, is, is it God's heart for you to win the lottery? And I think that's where we have to go. All right, Lord, align my heart with your heart. Because it may not be that you want me to win the lottery. Or in my case, when I was a kid, get a Lamborghini because I think God knew that I'd probably wreck it and kill myself. And so, um, you know, and, and that wasn't a good use of, uh, of resources as well. Um, so, yeah, I think you begin to pray such things. And then uh, what I often find myself doing for those big things like that, uh, and big things may not be the lottery or a, a, or a new car. It might be, Lord, I really could use a, a better job. Um, we really could use a, you know, if you've got a family of five or six in a small, we, Lord, we could really use a larger house to live in. Would you open up the door for that to happen? And as you pray for those quote-unquote big things, I think the Lord does shape and mold us and say, your prayers aren't bad, but let's bring them into alignment of, of what my heart is for that. And uh, and as he as we pray, our hearts look more like his. Um, and so I think our prayers begin to change on that behalf. Good question, though. Yeah. Any other? One more quick one. No. Okay. Good. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you. Uh, enjoyed our time. I'll be back next week as well. I don't remember what I'm speaking on next week. What am I on? Uh, fellowship and... Sure. She'll yeah. You know. There we go. <laughs> She's already let me know. I just can't remember. So uh, uh, we'll talk about fellowship and something else. So Worshiping. Worshiping. Okay. There we go. That sounds good. Let's go with that. Um, so I want to pray for you. Uh, I had hoped that maybe we would try the prayer cycle, but we don't have time to do that. So... Um, but let's, let me just pray for us as we go today. Jesus, I am so grateful for this time, so grateful to be talking about prayer, and there's so much more that we can talk about. Uh, I know we've kind of rushed through some things, so Lord, we trust that you'll take what's been talked about here, and God, you'll decipher it and work it out in our minds and in our hearts. And Lord, I just pray that as we spend our time with you this week, whatever that might look like in prayer, that God, you'd meet us in those places. And Lord, as we 
uh, choose to listen, which I know is the most difficult thing for me often in prayer, that God, you would begin to transform our hearts and minds into your likeness so that our prayers align with what it is that you desire. And may our desires be that as well. Give us, we give you thanks. Thanks for this church. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. And we pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.